Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. So last week, I started a new series of messages that God had given me uh, called Searching for Christmas. And basically, you know, you remember when you were little and you, and you enjoyed the anticipation and Christmas is coming up and, and you know, that feeling you had and, and that anticipation, but then you grew up and life gets really heavy and gets tough in life. And, and sometimes that feeling escapes us. Really that feeling was materialism, but then Christ wants to put into our life his Holy Spirit that helps us to understand who he is and have the joy and the peace that is way beyond happiness, okay? So last week I talked about finding Christmas from the perspective of the wise men. And if you were not able to uh, be here for that message, or maybe you were not able to watch online, I want to challenge you to go back and check that out because uh, it's really, really a great perspective of how the wise men found Jesus and, and, how the, and, and the things that it taught us and the lessons that we could learn. So uh, if you have not downloaded our app, be sure to go to, uh, and download our app. You can have message notes there. But today, I want to take it a step further uh, today. And today I want you to ready your hearts because probably might touch on some areas that might, could be painful for some of you. Uh, but God wants to do something amazing if you'll let him do it today. So today I want to talk about Christmas gathering. So with that being said, I want to ask you this, how many of you here each year or maybe this year for the first time, how many of you deal with holiday stress? Uh, how many of you do that? Raise your hand. You deal with it. Uh, a lot of you do. Now, let me ask you this. Are there people coming to your house to gather around the table that cause you holiday stress? Raise your hand. Oh my goodness. It's as much or more. You think about that. There's people that we open the door to and they come to our homes and next thing you know, we get stressed out. They tell the same old stories they've been telling for 20 years. They want to rehash the feelings of how they hurt you last year, how your dressing was no good. Or, or maybe they never quit talking. They talk nonstop, 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 or they want to one-up you on everything that's going on when you're there together. Can I get a witness? Everybody with me? Say yes. So wouldn't it be really, really cool that they could come and do something other than that? You go over and you open the door. When you open the door, you would really, inside your heart and mind, you would love to just, boom, slam a door in their face. Can I get a witness on that? How many of you felt that before, confessed before God and everybody in here? Yes. So, wouldn't it be really cool if, if we could have the dream Christmas gathering, you know? Wouldn't that be cool? That it would just, the lights worked, you know, uh, properly, or, you know, you get into the mode where that you seem like you can't get all the gifts wrapped, or you burn the turkey and it looks like a transmission out of a tractor, you know, and, you know, it just thinks it goes so much better, but why is it at Christmas, what's the reason a lot of times that, especially with family gatherings, that we have so much stress? I, I think it has a lot to do with this. I think there is expectations that we have. We all have expectations, you understand what I'm saying, of what we want it to be like. But then we go from expectations into frustration. And then frustration set in on us. And then that becomes our reality. And it doesn't make us too happy when it comes to those kind of things. So 
There are those family members, okay, are you with me? Say those. There are those family members that's going to come in this year. And they're going to sit at your table, and one of them is probably like Mr. or Mrs. Cancel. You know what I'm saying? They're the cancel. We're in a cancel culture. Are you with me today? Well, these are the people here that want to cancel you. They want to ignore you. They want to avoid you. They don't want to talk to you. They want to watch TV, and they want to go outside away from you and smoke the whole time. (laughs) Mr. or Mrs. Cancel. They don't really like you. They tolerate you, right? So then over here at this seat, you have Mr. or Mrs. Runner. You say, what do you mean? Man, they're just tinkering with things. They're nervous. You know, they're just real nervous. Hey, if anybody needs to just go to the store, they're the ones going to run to the store and take three hours to get back because they don't like being there anyway. You follow me? They're the person here that they don't like you they don't want to talk to you. They don't, and they hate kids, okay? This is Mr. or Mrs. Runner. Then we have this person that sits over here, and this, I think everybody for sure has this person here. You say, well, who is it? It's Mr. or Mrs. Big Mouth. How many of you have a Mr. or Mrs. Big Mouth in your family gathering? Raise your hand. A lot of you didn't raise your hands because you're probably Mr. or Mrs. Big mouth. So anyway, this is the person here. They come to you and say, I know I shouldn't tell you this. But I'm, you know, we need to pray for them, you know. They turn gossip into prayer requests. You know what I'm saying? That's what they do. And the thing about it, Mr. or Mrs. Big Mouth, they got big ears too, not just a big mouth. So what you tell, what they tell you, they're going to talk about you the next day. And you're lucky if they don't post it on Facebook as a prayer request. Then we have Mr. or Mrs. Braggart. Everybody has one of them in the family, don't they? They want to, they know it all about everything. They want to tell you how to cook. They're going to tell you how you should have cleaned underneath the refrigerator where they see a little dust there at the edge of it. They want to tell, ask you about the career job you're in, but yet they're going to say, you still working at that place? Let me tell you about where I'm working at. They want to tell you all these things here. They, if, if your kids are running around, they want to tell you how to parent your kids. They want to be able to tell you about everything because they are Mr. or Mrs. Braggart. Then I think everybody has one of these here. This is Ned or Nancy negative. Yes, you say, yes, they are just so, so negative. Man, they don't, listen, they're so negative, they hate their husband, they hate their wife, (laughs) they hate their kids, they hate you, you know, and they're negative about everything. They're negative about the meal, they're negative about the place setting, they're negative about where you sat them down at, they're negative about what's going on in the world, they're negative about the nation, they're negative about everything. Most everybody has Ned or Nancy negative. What do you do with these people here? You normally, you just, you'd normally sit here, but you conveniently left your chair out, right? Because <laughs> you don't have time to sit and listen to it, right? No wonder holiday stress gets really bad and relational problems grow out to proportional magnitude, you know. But how do you handle, this is the question, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in this deal. How do you handle and enjoy holiday gatherings when the people at the table are pretty screwed up. 
including ourselves. How do you get through that? How do you deal with it? Well, today I'm going to share a Bible story with you that you might not be real familiar with. And I think we're going to draw some great, great wisdom from God's Word today that could really change your Christmas gathering to be what you would dream for it to be. So I'm going to start reading in 2 Samuel chapter 9 with verse 1. And it says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Now let me park here just for a moment. David has become king. King Saul, the first king of Israel, is dead. David is the second king of Israel. David's, uh, David's friend was Jonathan, okay? Saul wasn't king long because he'd started doing things that was unpleasing to God. So God replaced Saul with David, and Jonathan is Saul's friend, and he was the, uh, da- uh, Jonathan is Saul's son. He has the legal right to the throne, but Jonathan and David happened to be BFFs. What is BFFs? Tell me what it is. Best friends forever. So when you look at this situation, it's pretty complicated, as are a lot of relationships complicated. And so it's important to know when you read the scriptures, it's not a lot different than our lives. You follow what I'm saying? Say yes. So David, who's king, let me break it down. David, who is now king, asks the question, is there anybody in, anybody that, that, can, that I can be kind to in the house of Saul who's tried to kill me when he was alive because, his, because of his son Jonathan? This is why I want to do this. Who happened to be David's BFF? If you're not confused, you're going to be. Let's dive on into it. This is a good, this is, this is the best, best soap opera, biblical soap opera you'll ever see. One of the best. He said, he summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. Ziba replied. The king then asked, is there anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness. Remember that, God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makur, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him to Makur's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness, remember that, to you because of my promise to your father. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given you, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. In this story today, we are going to discover how we can do life during the holidays at our gatherings, and be able to give out that kindness and goodness if you're willing to go there, even when you don't want to. And you say, well, how's that going to be? We want to learn today, how do I treat others God's way? Not your way, not my way. If I want to treat somebody that's that's been ugly to me or been bad to me or been disrespectful to me, we have no problem in our humanness knowing how to treat somebody like that. But today, I want us to discover how that we treat others God's way. And the first thing you got to do, we're looking at this story, is think back. 
Look in the first verse there again. He says, David says, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Remember, Saul tried to kill him. Saul chased David forever, for years, trying to kill David because he was jealous of David. David comes in because he's going to be the next anointed king. Samuel had anointed him. Saul lost his right to be the king because of how he displeased God and his offerings and things that he was doing. So David comes in, he kills Goliath, and then they start singing how he kills his thousands and ten thousands. So next thing you know, Saul's jealous of him. He tried to kill him uh, multiple, multiple times. But here, think of this. David is saying, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Wow. Now, when we think of kindness, we think of hanging up someone's coat when they come in the door. Or we think of being able to serve them some coffee. We think of being able to place them at the table. We think of being able to serve a meal. That's when we think of the things of kindness. The word kindness in the scripture here represents God's loving kindness. God's long suffering. Love is the determination that you keep promises despite our sin and rebellion. Okay, that's what it is when it comes to love. And so in the New Testament, the Greek word for grace is best represented by God's kindness. So David is asking this. Let me break it down. Is there anyone in the house of Saul who tried to kill me, whose son Jonathan is my best friend? Is there anyone in his house that's still alive that I can show grace to? See, grace is simply giving somebody something that they do not deserve and they did not earn. That's what grace really is. Wouldn't you, listen, would you be willing to ask the question this holiday season when you gather around the table, would you be willing to say, is there anybody here that's actually going to sit here that I can be kind to, that I can show grace to, which is love, respect, and honor. And some of you are thinking, why in the world would David want to do this? And um, the reality is we often expect our own Christmas gatherings to be different. Although we're not willing to do anything different to make it really what it needs to be. You see what I'm saying? If Christmas is going to be different, the change has to happen in you and in me because we do something different at Christmas. Is there anybody in the family who's coming to the door that when we open it up, we truly want to show grace to? We, we really want to show them kindness as we're talking about here in the Bible. And why would you do that? <laughs> the question is for those who have maybe cut off the relationship or hurt the relationship, why would David do that? Let's check it out. Third verse, he says, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Say God's kindness. You want to show God's kindness to them? Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. What's David doing here? Doing such a thing that was unheard of for his culture and time. David is painting a picture of God's kindness to someone in Saul's family. And that's exactly what God Almighty does for you and for me. God shows us kindness. God gives us something that we did not earn and something that we do not deserve. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us salvation. He gives us that grace and that mercy. God salvages you and me in our lives. Romans chapter 5 spells it out very clearly. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us. Say us. Who are we? Sinners. 
Now, most people wouldn't be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, missing the mark, undeserving, nothing we could earn. While we were still rejecting God, he loved us enough that he would send his only son here to die on the cross. Now think about it. Think about it. Think about your family right now. Think about those in your family that you care about, your mom, your dad, your best friend, your husband, your wife. Maybe it's a kid that you love to see the, and experience the grace of Almighty God and be able to receive God's love, be able to receive God's forgiveness, be able to receive the hope of God Almighty. Maybe you've been inviting them to Christmas. Maybe you gave them an invite card. Maybe you've asked them to come to church with you a hundred times. But the best picture that you'll ever paint for those people in your life, that when they show up at your family gatherings, that you give them grace and you give them kindness. That's what speaks multitudes. It makes a huge difference in their lives. Because it's a picture of what God does for us. So I hope and pray that you're praying for them and, and you're doing those things to be able to show the grace and kindness. Those are the great things that God is going to use to bring repair to broken relationships. The best thing you could do is just to think back and ask the question, is there anybody in my family that I can show grace to this Christmas? Maybe it's someone in your family that hurt you. Maybe it's someone in your family that said something bad about you. And this Christmas season, you are able to teach your family a message that you desperately desire for them to hear. Because they've seen the brokenness for years. The elephant's in the room when you gather. Was David showing kindness to Mephibosheth because he was a good person? No. Was he showing kindness to Mephibosheth because he owed it to him? Absolutely not. Was he showing kindness to him because he felt sorry for him that Mephibosheth was crippled? No. You know how he was crippled? Whenever Saul and Jonathan died in the battle and Saul fell on his sword, the scripture tells him, Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, King Saul's grandson. And in essence, his babysitter had him, and when they took off the run, so they're going to kill everybody. When she picked up Mephibosheth at five years old and she took out running with him, she dropped him and it broke both of his legs. That's why that he remained a cripple as best he could do to get around in his life. Did he do it because he felt sorry for him for that? Absolutely not. The reason I'm going to show you is, is because here he said, I'm going to show you, Mephibosheth, that your dad, Jonathan, we were best friends. And because of the relationship that I have with your father, I'm going to show you grace. I'm going to show you God's kindness. The reason you show grace and kindness isn't because of the person always. But it's because you love God and you want to be like God. And you want to show God's kindness. Not that they earned it or not that they deserve it. But it's because of the relationship that you maybe once had or the relationship you had with somebody else. Think about this. Think about showing grace and kindness to your ex-husband this year. Not because he's your ex-husband, but because he's your son's daddy. 
Think about showing the grace and God's kindness this year to your ex-wife, not because it's your ex-wife who may have talked about you and said things so hurtful to you that you seem to not ever be able to put it in an area in your brain to get away from it. But you show grace and kindness because it's your daughter's mommy. Your love for your son or your love for your daughter ought to move you this Christmas to do what average people will never, ever do. It's important we realize that we don't show kindness this Christmas because of the relationship we have with the person. Absolutely not. We show kindness because of the relationship a lot of times that we have with other people. Right now, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is working. The Holy Spirit is pointing to somebody in your heart, in your mind, right now, wanting you to show grace and kindness. Their name is already in the front lobe of your brain right now. So what do you do? What do you do? You got to have to think about it and think back where it was or what it used to be. You got to open up. Look what David did. He says, don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Now, what does it mean when you let somebody sit at your table? What does that mean? It was a big deal in this culture and time for David to, as a king to invite someone to his table. That's a whole other message. But think about it. When you and I invite someone to come to our table, we're inviting them to come to our table because basically we're opening up and giving them access back to our life because a lot of conversation goes on around the table, right? Now, whenever someone hurts you and you break off the relationship, you cut off the access in the relationship, Right? When they text you, you don't respond. If they call you, you call or ID them and say, huh. That's what you do. You don't give them access anymore. You don't answer their emails. You don't go there. When there's a relationship broken, that's what happened. But what did David do here? He goes to Mephibosheth and he says, you know what? <laughs> you can come to my table. He gives them access again. Some of you that are smart and in the Bible, you're thinking, man, never really thought about this from this perspective. It's like this. <laughs> the chair is not here because you don't really want to sit down and talk to him anyway. You might let him at the table and you think, hey, do you come around? Oh, man, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just too busy. You know, I, you know I, I'm helping serve. You know, she needs me in the kitchen. I, I'll be right back. Yeah, you know, whatever. But no, when you go. You need to come and bring the chair in there. And you need to sit down. And you need to look beyond the human side of yourself and lean in and say, how are you? Because no one else expects that, do they? Everybody else knows the elephant in the room between you and Mr. Negative. Everyone else in the room knows what went on with you and Miss Council. And all of a sudden, when you lean in, you open up, we start talking to them. What, does that ha what happens there? Everybody else begins to notice and says, they're talking. Can you believe that? That's been years. You know? So what do you do with that? 
You open up and you think, man, I, I just can't open up. You know, I just, I just can't do that. But that's where all the conversations happens, isn't it? Right around the table. So how do you show grace and kindness? You open up the door this year. When you open up the door, man, you just got to open up your heart and give them access again. And I tell you, and you and I both agree with this, it's not easy to do. They hurt you. And that's why there's a reason that we deny access to them in our lives. We want to protect ourselves, don't we? And it's very natural that we protect ourselves from being hurt. That is a natural thing that we do. But that doesn't how God doesn't work through the natural. God always works through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit of God. You're thinking, well, I'll sit at the table and I'll, I'll be there, but I'm not going to listen to what Mr. Braggart has to say. I'm tired of him downing me about my job and my career path. You know, that's what people think. But David, what did he do? He gave Mephibosheth here something that Mephibosheth did not earn. He did not deserve it. But because of David's relationship with God Almighty and a picture he wanted to paint of his God, he opened up and he gave him access again. So there's two things we have to do. We have to forgive and we have to trust See, forgiveness is, is not something that you deal with in emotions. Forgiveness is a decision that you make. Get this. You decide that you're going to forgive. If you wait until you're going to forgive and you feel like forgiving, you'll never forgive anybody. You're, you're, you'll, you'll never do that. Forgiving is something that you make a determination to be able to do. And forgiveness is not something I feel like doing. It's a choice. And trusting others doesn't mean that we forget about what they did to us. That's not what it means. It just means we're not going to act upon what we remember that they did. You follow me in that? If we stay here, God can never get us where his destiny was to take us. It's just not going to happen. So David gave Mephibosheth back his grandfather's land. And this gave Mephibosheth a crippled man. It gave him respect It gave him responsibility. It gave him expectations. And Mephibosheth, basically when he come to the table, David, in essence, the king is sitting at the head of the table and he says, you know what? You can add value to this palace now. Man, what a great, great, great picture of grace and kindness that we're seeing take place here. And when somebody hurts you, a lot of times you don't want to hear about their opinion, that it no longer matters. I don't want to hear what you have to say. It means nothing to me. But when I decide that I'm going to give grace and I'm going to give kindness and we decide that we're going to open up and we're going to give someone access to our lives again and we're going to give them the voice to be able to speak into our lives, you allow them to come close into that relationship again. Everyone else at the table, I promise you is going to notice how many of you here and I know I'm digging deeper into your hearts for those that may be hurting about the things I'm talking about but how many of you are like me at times you've you sat at a table that was cold it was just cold everybody at the table knew the elephant in the room And it just didn't feel like a good family situation. It just didn't feel like the love was there. And you know, what I believe, I don't believe the love will ever be there unless we try to bring the love to the table ourselves. If we keep waiting, it just won't happen. So, when you think about 
this. You think, you think, some of you are already thinking, Pastor, I, 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 probably I would say all of you, if not most of you, agree with what I'm saying. But you got to remember, David is teaching us to do that, to give that kindness that comes from God. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for each of us. He showed us grace and kindness and mercy. And you know what? We didn't earn it and we didn't deserve it. We were just sinners. And Satan, let me tell you what he wants to do. He wants to keep the gatherings cold. I'm telling you right now. He wants to do everything he can do to steal our dreams and kill our future and destroy our purpose and and teach us that forgiveness is something that you don't do. But Jesus came and he put on flesh and he was born in a manger and he opened up. He didn't close off. He opened up for every single one of us and died on the cross and he rose out of the tomb on the third day so that we could dream again so we could have a purpose again so we could have a destiny that we would run after again that's what he did that's what he teaches us Jesus came for us not because we deserved it or earned it that's why it's called grace It's the same thing God asked us to do when that relationship is broken with someone that you're going to gather with this year that hasn't earned it, nor do they deserve it, but it's called grace. So we think back of what it used to be or what it could be. We open up, but we've got to be vulnerable. And some of you are thinking, you know, what if they hurt me again? Well, the same truth was true with David. He said, what do you mean? Mephibosheth was Saul's grandson. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. King Saul was dead. Jonathan was dead. Who's the legal right to the throne? It is Mephibosheth. But David brings him and sets him down at the table. Mephibosheth could have went out and rallied a bunch of troops and a bunch of people and come in and said and declare that he's to be the king and try to overthrow David from the, from the throne. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what he, this is totally different because what David did, the problem is with us, even Christians today, we should, we had much rather cheer on revenge then we had to cheer on grace. Because we allow the human side of our lives to take over and push the Holy Spirit's nudge in our hearts out. See, there's always going to be a risk involved, and so it was with Jesus. Jesus came to reconcile our relationship back to God the Father. Jesus came and gave us grace. And you know what? Yet each and every day we heard him again, don't we? Each and every day we do something and we do things and we say things and we hurt Jesus afresh. What does Jesus do? What does Jesus continually do? Every day he gives us grace, doesn't he? Every day he gives us kindness, doesn't he? And it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last week. He always comes in with his love and his grace. No matter what you said. You know what God offers us today? Grace afresh. Grace that's new. And there's opportunities for you and I to run after our dreams. There's opportunities for you and I to live for the destiny that God created us for. There is a, we are able to have that sense of purpose that sometimes we feel like we only exist. And we're able to make life count because of grace. What I'm telling you to do this Christmas Maybe at the gathering. Yes, it's risky business. And you could get hurt again. But why would you go ahead and do it? Because you look for the opportunity. 
You say, what do you mean the opportunity? It creates an opportunity for Christmas for God to do something supernatural in your family that makes it where it could be possibly different. That instead of sitting at a cold table, you're there with warm hearts connected because the change you wanted to see was a change that God wanted something to be different and work through you and through me. See, most Christmases, we just hope we're going to make it through, don't we? We just hope when they come and they park and they sit down and they eat up, shut up and go. That's just what we think when things are not good. Hoping that aunt so-and-so is not going to open her mouth. Or mama so-and-so is not going to bring up what happened last year and make everybody mad and piss everybody off. And I'm sorry if that word gets you, but it's in the King James Version. It's called pisseth. Okay? It's in the word. So don't get mad at me. Forgive me if that hurts you. But if you and I are willing to show God's kindness, we're willing to show God's grace, if we're willing to open up and be vulnerable, wow. That could create an opportunity to have the most amazing Christmas together that's ever happened or you could dream of. What if your dad's heart breaks this Christmas because of your grace and kindness? What if your ex-spouse actually gets it this Christmas because you were showing God's kindness and grace? What if a prodigal son our daughter comes home this Christmas because of your grace and your mercy and your kindness just reaching out one more time. If you're willing to take the risk, that's what I hope for that happened for you in your life. This Christmas, as those people come to your door, don't just open up the door and pretend everything's going to be okay. Open up the door of your heart and just ask God, God, I want to see you move this Christmas. Because the Apostle Paul told us we need to practice the ministry of reconciliation. And some of you think, man, I'm just so tired of how my family operates. I'm, I'm tired of the anxiety. I'm tired of the disrespect. I'm tired of the, of the remarks that's made. I'm tired of the elephant in the room. Well, get this, in John's Gospel, chapter 13, listen to what Jesus says here. He said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Say that with me. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should, say it again, love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I want you to think of the names of those that you need to show grace and love to this Christmas. It might not necessarily be at your dinner table. It may be someone you work with. It may be a friend. It may be a neighbor. But very well, someone in your circle of life. And you've done your best to keep them out of your circle. So as those names enter your mind and in your thoughts, think back of the grace and love that may have been shown for you and when you didn't deserve it. God's kindness when you didn't earn it.
And when you open up and you be vulnerable and you create those opportunities for Christmas to be like it used to be or like you're dreaming of, that's what God wants to do. I remember a broken Christmas a long time ago in my family. It was so broken, we didn't even gather at the table. And you know what? God showed up after that, and He made, helped us with the ministry of reconciliation, and it has gotten better year after year after year after year, and we're like this. And you know what? Only God can do that. Only God can do that. If you keep working in the natural, God can't work. But when you ask God to work in the supernatural and you do your part, God will always do his. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we love you. We praise you and we honor you. We thank you for this day. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to try to be our best like you and and just... God, think of what it used to be or what it could be, God, and, and just open up and be vulnerable and look for the opportunity, God, for you to do something in the supernatural way that you can, God. I pray, God, it's going to create opportunities for Christmas to be wonderful this year. Pray, God, for each person here that may be hurting in this area of their life that you do a mighty work, God, today. How many of you here, God has spoke to you and you know that there's someone in your mind and something going on in your heart I'd just love to pray for you and pray with you. Would you just, no one looking around, just lift your hand real high and say, man, that's my family. That's my family. God bless you. Thank you. Leave your hands up. Leave your hands up for a minute. I just want to see your hands and be sure I say you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can, you can take your hands down. Now, something I want to do, it's a little different. Um, I want to ask you to do something. Let me say this. Your strength ain't going to get it. I'll just tell you right now. Your strength will not get it. It's only God's strength that's going to get it. So I just want to ask you to do something. Nobody's going to judge anybody for you walking down here. You may be praying for something else that you want to pray for. But as in this moment right now, I want to ask you to come down and pray right here. It's a special place. And I want you to ask God for his strength, for his direction, for that opportunity that you'd love to see reconciliation and restoration take place. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray as these come to pray, you're going to do a mighty work with your mighty power and strength. Come right on.
as these continue to pray here, I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want to ask you one thing. When you, some of you may have never experienced God's kindness here today. And he's knocking on your heart right now and you know it and you've never experienced his grace. And, and I'm not asking you if you've come to church occasionally. I'm not asking you if you've given money or, or dropped money in an offering or something like that. But maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, he's not Lord at all in your life. So right now, if you want to invite him in your heart, man, this, you have picked the greatest day that could ever be. So as Christians are praying right now and no one's looking around, just right now, would you just lift your hand real high and say, I know I need to give my life to Jesus today. I know that he's touched my heart. Just lift your hand real high, real high and bite down. God bless you. I'll see your hand. I'll see your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, I know I need to receive Jesus as Lord today. I need to make him Lord of my life. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right, what I want you to do is just pray to him right where you're at today. Pray to him right where you're at and just tell him, say, Lord, I need your grace and mercy as you come in my heart. Just tell him, say, Lord, I ask you, I just want to ask you to forgive me of my sins and trying to do life my way, God. I want to commit to do it your way, God. So I ask you to save my soul and salvage my life in the name of Jesus who gave his life for me. prayed that and you meant that from the depths of your soul and the conviction of the spirit thank him right where you're at be sure to let me know that I want to know that we want to help you in your next steps man I'm telling you if you just gave your life to Christ man it is the greatest decision hands down you'll ever make while you walk on this earth so thank him for that let us know that I'm helping your next steps with God. Father, thank you, God. I pray that this Christmas can be unlike any other Christmas, God. And I pray for great, great things to happen and opportunities to open up because of you, Jesus, and being what you want us to be for your kindness, God, and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says... Thanks for joining us at Freedom Church Online. We're so excited that no matter what your situation in life may be, you've made receiving God's word today a priority. If you've given your life to Christ for the first time, that's awesome. And we want to know about it. As a church family, we want to be there with you and for you as you begin this exciting journey. If you're on the Freedom Church app or our website, just hit the hamburger icon in the top left of your screen and hit the connection card. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, just hit the link in the description. Just fill out the information on the form and let us know about this exciting decision. If you did receive Christ for the first time today, your next step would be baptism. If you notice on the form, there's a place to select that as well. You can also select any other next steps that you may be interested in. Once you submit it, we'll be in contact with you to help you out and answer any questions that you may have. We also want to take this time to give back to God a portion of what He has so graciously given to us. If you're on the app or website, just hit the same hamburger icon from before and hit giving. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, just hit the link in the description. Uh, these all take you to a secure place to submit your offering. And also, just because we live in the age of technology doesn't mean you can't send in your tithe the old-fashioned way. If you seal it up in an envelope and send it to the address that's on the screen, that will work just as good, I promise. We want everyone to be able to experience the blessings that come from being faithful and trusting God with what He has blessed us with. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. It's one of our high five values. We'll see you next week.